Um, so we're standing on the top of this. Which street is this? This is Bree Street. I think so. So we're standing on the top of Bree Street. Okay. Um, with uh, a lot of um, journalists, and um, it's, it's too much heat, it's hot, and um, we're going to inside the um, NPA offices. This is Zuki Vuka, a 27-year-old activist from Delft in Cape Town. If she sounds nervous, there is good reason. Zuki and about 30 others are about to sneak into the headquarters of the National Prosecuting Authority. Once inside, they will occupy the lobby and refuse to move. To get in, the group must push through an airport-style security checkpoint. Hanging on the wall is a large framed photograph of South African President Jacob Zuma. Below it is a sign that reads, You are now entering a corruption-free zone. They make it. Once in the lobby, they sit, link arms, and refuse to move. A simple request is put to NPA Director Sean Abrams. Arrest the President, or arrest us. We are asking the National Prosecuting Authority to do its job. And its job is to prosecute without fear or favor. And for 10 years, no one has prosecuted Jacob Zuma in the manner that is necessary. So we ask you, you either going to arrest him or you have to arrest us. That was Zaki Ahmad. Zaki and Zuki are from Unite Behind, a national alliance of social movements and activists resisting state capture in South Africa. The term state capture has become very familiar to all of us in South Africa and increasingly to others around the world. This is Al Jazeera. There's a war of words being waged through the South African news media, a war of buzzwords. One of those terms is state capture. It describes something that South Africans say happens all too often, when businesses close to the ANC government of President Jacob Zuma exercise undue political influence and benefit unfairly from government tenders, ending up with lots of taxpayers' money. State capture is robbery, but it is also much more. It breaks essential services that tens of millions of people in South Africa rely on every day. One of the best examples of this, and the reason for today's protest, is our trains. Or, to be specific, how Metrorail and South Africa's passenger rail agency, also known as PRASA, have collapsed. More than half of all commuters in Cape Town use trains every day a proportion higher than any other city in the country. Here, at the NPA headquarters, another Unite Behind leader, UDF veteran June Esso from Elsie's River, explains the link between state capture and the experiences of commuters. The day Prasa awarded tenders to a network of corrupt BEE companies, they forced our people, commuters, further into poverty. They force husbands, fathers and sons onto the rooftops of the train. They transport us like cattle. Today we are saying, arrest Zuma who presides over all 
corruption. Arrest him or arrest us. Amantla! As the protest continues at the NPA, a message gets to the protesters. Someone has called the police. And they're saying that uh, public order police are, are going to come and that's how they're going to deal with it. As armed police in riot gear arrive, the potential consequences of this protest begin to set in. A final warning is given. Some of the protesters choose to leave, but eight, including Zuki, remain. At this point, the media is forced out. There is no way to know what is happening inside. By the end of this podcast, you will find out what happened to Zuki and the other protesters, today known as the NPA 8. But first, we will take a step back and follow Zuki on the journey that led her to this moment. This is a Unite Behind podcast produced with the help of Sound Africa. My name is Gavin Silber. Zuki Vuka tells the story. What you are hearing in the background is Adil Hanslow, leaving the Langer Clinic, a public health facility in one of Cape Town's oldest townships. Adil is responsible for seeing that the clinic is opened and closed on time. It's Friday and he's looking forward to getting home for a weekend with his family. Adil lives just outside of Autry, a working class suburb just 8 kilometers away from the clinic. Adil has been riding trains for 30 years without looking at a map or a timetable. Adil is able to advise on the quickest way to get from point A to point B. There's another way that you can travel um, besides the Langer to Pinens. You could also go all the way to Mutsal. Then you walk across and take one of the trains coming from Strand. You change at Maitland Station. But recently, Adil's passion for trains is being replaced with deep frustration. It was pretty pleasant to travel back in the days when I started traveling trains. Trains was on time. There was no, not that much crime around. There was never communication problems. If you ask people at Metrol what time is the next train, they could give you a definite answer. They won't tell you approximately this and approximately that. You could leave your house at a decent time and arrive home at a decent time as well. We leave the clinic at 4.30 in the afternoon. The walk to the train station takes 10 minutes. We buy our tickets and board a station on a train. As we wait... Adil explains how being late for work is a problem that affects not only him and his family, but also hundreds of others. If the clinic does not open up in time and the sufficient staff is not there, there's a delay in seeing patients which sometimes are extremely sick because they got sick overnight. At the clinics, we basically see babies. We have ARV patients, we have TB patients, which are very sick people. It's chronic patients. So if I'm not here on time... Tomorrow morning, it basically falls on my colleague, and we are supposed to be two. Now you've got one person who has to see to a hundred patients that's walking through your door at half past seven in the morning. By eight o'clock, that person is burnt out. And yet, yeah, I'm sending you a message. Look, I'm still stuck at Ottery Station, which you know it's going to be at least an hour of normal commute. That's without even delays. About three, four weeks ago, I got to work at half past nine, 
nearly on a daily basis. I had five hours of short time last month alone. It's factory workers that don't have the luxury that I have who's working in a secured working environment. Those bosses don't understand because they get in their car and they drive home. After sitting on the train for 10 minutes, we pull out of the station. Picture a map of Cape Town. Autry is in the southern suburb, directly below Langa. If you are lucky enough to have a car, the drive will take about 20 minutes. Cape Town's rail network was built during apartheid. Its purpose was to bring black and coloured workers from townships into the city centre in the morning and return them to their homes in townships in the evenings. Apartheid ended more than 20 years ago, but our trains still works almost the same way. To get home, Adil must travel from Langa back to the central station. Once there, he must switch trains to take the southern line to Ottery. Instead of a commute that should look like a straight line on the map, Adil's commute looks more like the letter V. Let's listen in as Adil guides us through his journey home. It's 5 o'clock at the moment. We left Langa station at 20 to 5 and we finally reached Easterplatz station, which is another station where a lot of commuters travelling via the Kalitsa line gets hauled up. No, none of the notice boards are working, and as far as I know, none of the intercoms work on that station either. Ten past five, since we left Langa station at 20 to five, we finally arrived at Cape Town station, which would normally be a 10-minute trip. And we've got people walking along the train lines, basically, towards Cape Town Station with security standing at the fence. Turns out it's just closed. They don't have enough people to manage. Here are the rail passengers, train number 2841, we'll see the train from Cape Town, we'll the city, we'll It's 20 past 5 at the moment. We left Cape Town Station at quarter past. And we can't let it stock station on our way to Atri. It's now post five. We're approaching uh, the Beanie station. The ride today has been quite smooth because there's been no stops on our lines. Okay, it's currently 20 to 6. We, we just left Atlant station on our way to Crawford. It's 10 to 6 currently. We just arrived at Atri station after leaving town at quarter past five. Um, it's the same petition breakfast. Doors don't open. This is the subway I use every morning. So this is what we need to walk through. We'll get here some mornings, especially in winter, this whole staircase will be wet. The section in the middle here, you would get, especially in winter time, it'll be dripping in the mornings as you're walking through. You basically, you don't know what water it is that's coming through there because they've got toilets right on top here as well. So you don't know if it's on the sewerage or whatever. Like, it wasn't raining today, so now you tell me where that come from. This is the last train station Adele stops at, but his journey isn't over. And this road gets quite busy, because a lot of people travel after in five to the side. We'll be taking the town centre bus, which goes past my house. Six o'clock now, after leaving work at all past four. It's an hour and a half later. I'm still traveling home. I finally found my last mode of transport, which is the bus. Now at 10 past 6, we have finally reached our destination after leaving work at half past 4 in Langa, which took about an hour and 40 minutes, which is my daily commute to and from work.
Adele says that his journey today went fairly well. Still, crossing the eight kilometers between his place of work and home took 100 minutes. If Adele can't find other transport, he must do this trip twice a day, five days a week. That's a thousand minutes every week. On the Monday following our commute, Adele's journey went less well. He left home at 6.30 in the morning and only arrived at the clinic just after 11. No explanation was given for the delays. This absence of communication is very common. They've got this little newspaper that comes out on a Friday. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, uh, it's called My Line. Just pick up that. And you see, there's nothing, no information from their side in that little newspaper. They've got some nonsense interviewing us, uh, uh, a colleague of why did you join Metronorail? Stuff like that. They don't have information in there. Look, the level crossing at so-and-so, we are hoping to have it fixed in the next three months. The parts is this far from coming back. Or we are strengthening the security in this area. Or nothing like that is in there. There's a little advert at the back, the percentages at the back, and then the, the middle spread is like, sometimes it's a recipe in. Like, I'm not going to cook on the train. I can go buy me a recipe book. You have been listening to part one of a two-part podcast by Unite Behind in collaboration with Sound Africa. Up next, we explore why trains are always late. I'm Gavin Silber. Stay tuned. <laughs>